0: Is the Stuck Mike Avcast An aviation podcast by the
1: pilotreport.com About learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly Episode 32, an interview with airline pilot turned rock guitar goddess Her humble beginnings as a private pilot And the transition to genre-bending virtuoso And more coming up now on this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast Now
0: here are your co-hosts Victoria Neuville Rick Felty Carl Valeri
1: and Len Costa. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Stuck My Avcast. I'm your host, Len Costa, and joining me on the show today, as always, are my favorite group of aviation groupies. And joining us first today, Mr. Carl Valeri, where are you and how are you? I'm doing wonderful. I'm a groupie here in Lincoln, Nebraska,
2: home of the Cornhusker, former... The uh, bug eaters, they actually call them here. Bug eaters. But, uh, yes, yes. And our special guest tonight, you will introduce soon. We have a lot of uh, actual groupies hanging out here. At uh, <laughs> We were at Buffalo Wild Wings hanging out with the folks
1: there, and they just loved our next guest. Cool. Awesome. Uh, Victoria, how are you?
3: I'm good, everyone. How are you?
1: Good. So we hear you had an epic adventure at the DMV.
3: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Never change your name. It takes two hours. And by the way, um, speaking of that, you'll have to change it with the FAA within 30 days of changing your name legally. I
1: was actually just going to ask oh. how was easier or harder with the FAA.
3: This is going to be harder. You have to actually go to the local fisdo.
1: Oh boy. Which
3: for me is an hour away in Baltimore. So, and if you don't get it done within that 30 days, your pilot certificate is not valid.
1: Oh, that's nice.
3: So I have that to deal with. Plus, my medical expires at the end of the month. So it's just like, I'm just not going to be a pilot for a little while.
2: (laughs) So you can't do that one online?
3: No, because they have to actually physically see that it's you and proof that it's you changing your name. They need to see the marriage certificate and your license and all that. We
2: all know it's you, Victoria. I know. They should, too.
3: They're smart, right? Yeah. That's not going oh. here today.
1: <laughs> awesome. And Rick, how are you?
4: I'm doing well. I'm making a mental note to not change my name, which I think I've said before on this show. Before. Yeah, uh, you
1: decided to keep it, right? Yes, I did. You you uh,
4: <laughs> doing okay.
1: You're, you're recovering from a nice week of uh, vacation, which True. actually sort of ties into an announcement you're going to make here momentarily. but uh nice. I'm Len where are Costa, you? Yeah. and who are you? you where are who you? am I? Joining you from uh, the world headquarters here in New England, which will probably be our last recording from the world headquarters in uh, New England. As I am getting close to moving out to Chicagoland. Awesome. At cool. least keeping a keeping a place out there, not really permanently, but for work purposes. Sure. So um, yeah, so this is uh, going to be could be our last uh, our last. Recording here at a headquarters. Let's do the pre-flight. Anyway, moving along, we've got a really cool guest today. It's actually uh, one of our first celebrity guest interviews here on the Stuck Mike Gavcast. Um, before we get into that, I actually just forgot that I mentioned Rick did have an announcement, so let's go do that first. Well, I think like to remember. I'm, I'm like, my mind's all over. That's
4: okay. Well, you've got a lot going on. Um, no, I was exchanging emails with you or, and messages over the weekend because I got to take a pretty cool flight um, sort of series of hop you know hops around uh, the southeastern part of Massachusetts over the weekend from Martha's Vineyard and to and from and um, in a uh, bird dog and uh, with a friend of mine who is um, anyway pretty pretty experienced pilot himself and so just this is more of a tease that it was a great flight and I uh, did patch in while we were flying and do an interview uh, mm-hmm. in the air so there will be a um, a podcast a version of the stock mic avcast coming out with that interview edited um uh, mostly touching on tailwheel his expertise is in tailwheel flying and uh, a lot of really just basic cool stuff to talk about there from his point of view and we did it you know at about you know three thousand feet or something occasionally so (laughs) which is cool and it sounds sounds great so far that that i've done some listening so i'm happy i'm I'm excited to put that together so look, look for that coming soon
1: do we think we might get a little sneak peek at any video? Or is oh yes. That, well, uh,
4: simultaneously, I was I was running three cameras, so um, I was busy. Yeah, I was not. I was not <laughs> flying. I didn't get to log anything. But um, yeah, I
1: was the, producing. It,
4: yes, the videos. Um, there are. There's a bunch that will come out of that, as well as a few that probably can't come out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, just just because we had some fun. But um, but yeah. I, so look for videos on on my YouTube channel as well, and awesome. uh, those will some those will also have the audio in them right from our dialogue but but not as organized as it will be on the uh podcast feed here so look for that i think okay. i think you'll enjoy it it's fun
1: cool well we look forward to that uh i'll be coming out as one of our our mid uh let's see mid mid episode yeah like filler blurbs. episodes yeah like our a or b episode somewhere here in the next uh so in probably, the next week, probably so.
4: sometime in late late yeah yeah later this month
1: now entering cruise flight Excellent. Well, uh, like I said, uh, we do have a special guest today that we're going to be talking about aviation and music, and I'm going to hand the show over to Rick. Well, I'll just I'll just start things off and um,
4: say, you know, I th- I was trying to think back about about how this idea of having this guest on um, came to me or came to us. It was, I think, I was in an interview that was done with Airplaneista, that um, mm-hmm. the blog and the uh, publication that I first came across. Um, our next guest. She's someone who certainly has the experience necessary to uh, be a guest on an aviation podcast. I'll just, I'll just summarize a little of this and we'll hear more from her about it. But during her flying career, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, secret guest, but uh, she earned um, cool. private, instrument, commercial, multi-engine ratings, as well as was a CFI, CFII, and MEI, and ultimately um, flew for the airlines. And that's, all cool stuff and we want to hear about that but the for me the really cool part too was that although she loved flying she um, had a sort of previous love and decided to walk away from the flying part of her life to follow her true passion which is music Um, so we're going to talk about all of that and i guess just to say welcome we're really happy to welcome to the stuck Mike avcast rock guitar and gender genre bending virtuoso gretchen men welcome
5: (laughs) Thank you so much. I always want that
4: introduction. <laughs> and, and well, it is. I was, tr- I was looking you know, at things and, I, and I, I was trying to write that last, l- those lines. What am I going to say? Because there is, you know, you can say rock and roll guitarist, and lead guitarist, but, but there's so much else going on there. And we'll touch on music, I think, a little later. So genre bending, I thought was actually kind of a, a nice hyphenated summary of what you do with music.
5: I love it. Thank you. Um,
4: but look, so this is an aviation podcast, and um, we we love to have one one to have you on because of that and the other parts of your life. But I think we'll start with aviation just to, you know, get people give people some background on that. Um, because as I said, I know music probably entered your life uh, a little younger and a little earlier, and we'll get we'll get to that in a second. But I, it's always good to just find out how, you know, how people started flying and um, you know got the got the bug to to give it a shot. And I don't know if you can. Give us some background on how that started for you.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think that from the earliest memory I have of it was uh, I grew up right south of, or just just close to Moffat Field. Oh yeah. Um, and that was uh, just sort of in the Palo Alto Mountain View area. So from the time I was pretty young, I was getting to watch the Blue Angels and stuff like that. Mm. So that I think probably planted the seed early. And um, actually, you know. Uh, starting music and starting flying were not exactly concurrent, but pretty close. Um, I started flying my first year of college and it was, that was really the same year that I started playing guitar and it was a completely spontaneous thing. Actually. It was, I, have always loved roller coasters. I've always loved being in the air. You know, for me, turbulence is a welcome thing on a passenger flight. It's like, I'm in the the air, you know? (laughs) Um, and, uh, and there was a, a flyer, a, a series of flyers around my school in Massachusetts, actually, um, where where I took my first flight. It was at the Northampton Airport. I, I
4: was going to guess it was that. That's a cool, yeah. cool little field right there.
5: Oh, it really is. It's funny. I didn't appreciate how cool it was until I started flying out of other places. It's just, it's so it's such a charming little place. Very rural feeling. And uh, there was uh, posters that said that there were discounts available for college students at the local airport and it was $99 for the first three lessons or something. And I thought, Hmm, you know, I can, I can shell out $99 to go up flying three times. Wouldn't that be cool? So I just did a sort of a spontaneous adventure and really liked it and soon realized that as a college student, there was no possibility that I had like the funds to justify that kind of hobby. So I would go periodically, like, you know, if I got Christmas money or, or something like that, I would just go up just to go and it wasn't until uh, I ended up graduating from college a year early, and I graduated with a degree in music. And I noticed that a lot of musicians, you know, whether it was teachers or other musicians who were just further along on their path, were really jaded and had a lot of negative things to say about music. And for me, it's like it was a newer thing. I was so passionate about it, just so in love with it. And I just thought, God, what can I do to make sure I never become so you know disenchanted with something that i love so much and i thought well how about if i don't make it be something i have to make money doing hmm. and so that kind of gave me this whole existential crisis of okay well how am i going to live <laughs> and uh, and it kind of hit me i'm like well wait a minute i know how much my flight instructor makes because i'm paying him every time i go up and it sure seems to me that we fly when it's convenient for him <laughs> and and we're going up and we're flying a plane like I don't know. That's pretty cool. So I did a little bit of research into what it would take to fly professionally, and realized that it was that if I did it really seriously, it cost about as much as a year of college, maybe a little bit more. But um, it cost about that same amount, and it also I could get through it in about a year. And I thought, well, gosh, if I graduated from college a year early and saved a year of tuition, maybe maybe I should consider this sort of the year that I was um, gaining through graduating early. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So I went to flight school and I got all my ratings in about a year and then started flight instructing and, you know, then, then it was all from there, the, uh, you know, well, the I, path, I go, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say the, the path a
4: couple of our, of our hosts have been on. I
0: think.
5: Mm-hmm. Right, right. Exactly. You know, and for me, it just so happened that I, that I was doing it at a time where, when the airline hiring was really good. So, um, so I got hired with pretty low hours. Um, pretty decent multi-engine time, though. Mm-hmm.
4: So, yeah. Cool. And so, um, well, I don't know. And, and so, pretty quickly, you were doing that and flying. Where, where? What kind of routes were you flying? Where were you flying from and to, and all that? I, um,
5: I was flying for Continental Express.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: I was based. Uh, I did my training out of Houston, then I was based out of Cleveland. I flew the Embraer Regional Jet, so the one forty-five and the one thirty-five. Um, which was pretty cool. I mean, when when you're sitting there, like, with whatever I had, like, 1,200 hours or something. <laughs> like, I mean, nothing. And you go in for your first airline interview, and they hire you on the spot to fly a jet. kind of go, uh, yeah, that, that sounds great. You know, I'm not going to get a better option than that. So as much as I really had a desire to, to move to Cleveland or whatever, I uh, it was just too good of an opportunity. So um, I've moved to Cleveland, and we flew – as far north as Canada and as far south as Mexico. And then pretty much, I don't think we flew further west at that point than than Texas. I think Texas was what, was about as far west as I flew. And then all the coast.
1: Now, Gretchen, you had mentioned, I actually kind of want to ask you about this, because we um, Rick did touch upon in the beginning that you pursued aviation and then did subsequently leave that later on. And you made a comment which actually almost parallels something that I see in aviation, where you had you had seen some folks in the music industry, teachers and musicians, that felt kind of jaded about it. You made a decision that you were, you know, maybe I shouldn't do music as a means for money, and you do aviation. And I've sort of seen that same parallel, those same feelings and comments in in pilots um, over the years. And w- you know, what maybe what tell us about getting to the point where you decided um, that music was something that you would rather pursue o- over aviation as far as putting most of your time and effort into?
5: Sure, yeah. Um, for me, I, I truly never had aspirations of going to the airlines. The only reason I even sent out my resume was for the same reason that like Mitch Hedberg would tell you to put in a potato. It's like, you know, by the time they call you back or by the time it's ready, who knows what you might want. <laughs> I, I, I threw off my resume just to send it off. And I thought, well, you know, I was watching my um, my coworkers, you know, take two years, three years before they'd even get a call. Or an, maybe if they ace the interview, then they'd have a class date starting the following year or something. And I'm thinking, like, whatever, I'm 21 years old. Like, or 20, yeah, I guess I was 21 years old at the time. And I just thought, I'll just put this out as an option. And if they call me and I don't want it, then I don't have to do it. But I threw out my resume and I got a call the following week. Mm-hmm interview the week after um, and then they hired me on the spot so for me what what I imagined being like a three year process was like two weeks Mm -hmm. and so when I was kind of faced with the option of no do you really really want to go to the airlines I thought well why not you know it'll certainly be a more interesting chapter in my life maybe I'll love it Um, if I don't love it I will come away knowing how to fly a jet which is cool and And uh, and who knows? So I, I decided to do it, um, e- even though there was a large part of me where my plan had sort of been to, to flight instruct and to to do a job where there was a, a certain amount of flexibility in the schedule, where there was a lot of flexibility in the location, where there was a huge amount. You know, teaching in, is no two students are the same. No two planes are exactly the same, even if they're the same model. All of them have their little idiosyncrasies. And so it provided a a fun amount of challenge, and I felt like it was a good complement to the creative stuff. You know, aviation, it's funny. I think flying a plane and playing a guitar actually activate kind of similar parts of your brain in a funny Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. But uh, so I, I really actually enjoyed flight instructing, and I really only went to the airlines because the opportunity was so good. And The reason I left the airline along the lines of sort of what you brought up is I realized that I was sitting there in the seat of this slick, trick, all-glass cockpit, amazing plane, wanting nothing more than to get to the hotel so I could play the guitar. (laughs) Um, And I realized actually there was one stopover uh, where there was a long delay, and I I brought my class with me, and sometimes in the airport I would just try to find a quiet corner, particularly if I was in uniform because I knew I was really walking an edge of company policy, even though nobody. You you realize that that they don't want you stepping too far out of line, understandably. Um, So I tried to find a quiet little corner where I wasn't going to disturb anybody. And I was sitting there just sort of playing like a Bach piece. And I was sort of involved with what I was doing. And, and when I, Finished the piece. Um, I looked. I, I heard people start clapping. I looked up and kind of just far enough outside of my peripheral vision, the semicircle of people had formed, and this little girl was dancing. <clears throat> I had this audience I wasn't aware of, and they all started applauding. And I was actually embarrassed than anything else. But then um, a guy took me aside, and he said, "Hey, um, I'm I'm supposed to be on this flight that you're flying, and it's for this important recording session, and." you know, it's you know, this delay has been a nightmare and I've been on the phone stressing out, practically getting an ulcer. And then I just heard you play and I just and I just had a moment of thinking, you know what? It's all gonna be fine. And I said, Oh, well, good, that's great. Um <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Why aren't you doing that? You know, meaning the guitar. Mm-hmm. And I started to kind of come up with, you know, my the thing that I had been telling myself, which is, oh well, this is you know, flying planes is going to help me play guitar and all of that, and then I realized how kind of empty that sounded. And so, not to say that that was the only thing, but it definitely um, kind of hit a nerve with me. And I was about four months in actually to flying at the airlines, where you know I'd already sort of gone past the initial learning curve. I got the landings down, and and I was really starting to feel the pain of the routine. For me, you know, I'd never really been one. I much prefer doing stalls or spins than I prefer cross-country flying. And so um, flying that was so uh, inherently kind of sterile really didn't agree with me. And I started realizing more and more that my own dream was being pushed aside as I was occupying somebody else's dream and thinking, wow, this is like the coolest plane I could be flying at this stage of my career, you know, this amazing gig. And all I want to do is be playing guitar, you know, maybe, maybe I owe it to myself and to the person whose seat I'm literally sitting in to do what I want to do.
3: Oh, I was just curious going back to, you were very young when you started to become an airline pilot and going through all this and only 6% of pilots are women and 3% of airline pilots are women. So it's a very small number. Did you feel, um, did you feel the difference being a woman airline pilot? Um, you know, that's a good point. It's it's funny. Um, I I think
5: it's, I would actually wonder if the percentage of women airline pilots maybe exceeds the percentage of women rock guitarists, but, um, you know, I can tell you the only time I actually did notice it is when, when other people were bothered by it. Um, I've always been an equal opportunity friend, like at least half my friends are guys. Um, so that never bothered me. The only time I actually really do vividly remember it being weird was during the week, um, or the, the day in ground school. I was, I was the only girl in my class and there was one week or a few sessions that were devoted to sexual harassment. And that was the time that I definitely felt a weird shift in ground school that almost, you know, when you are the only girl in an entire class, of guys are basically being terrified. To the point of where basically they come away thinking like okay you just don't talk to girls just don't talk to them don't look at them whatever and then suddenly you know there's this group of people where I'm trying to form friendships and everything and I kind of got this feeling of like okay just just don't anybody talk to Gretchen. I don't think anybody meant anything bad by it I think everybody was really well intended but that was the one time that I really kind of felt like an outsider.
3: Yeah I can understand that they're almost scared to talk to you because of that whole session they didn't want to get in trouble per se or anything to be um prostrued that it wasn't, you know. Right, right, exactly. Exactly. Do you still fly right now? Do you do any GA flying? You know, I haven't in a little while.
5: Still renewed. That um at this point I'd need to go up for a BFR and I think renew my medical before I'd be, you know, I'd have to get current again. You know, so I, I try to stay connected with it, but it's been, actually music's been so busy that it, it definitely, the flying has taken the back, the back seat for sure. But um, but I do still try to keep connected and never letting my CFIs expire.
1: That's a good one. Never. Because I, I said that very same thing when I got to the airlines. There's a lot of people who are like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? I'm like, I spent a lot of time and effort and money to get that CFI certificate. I don't care if it's $150 every two years to renew it. I am not letting that expire.
5: Well, yeah. Well, and actually, I don't know if you know about this, but um, American Flyers. I think you you can do a one-time fee, and then it's right,
1: like, oh. right. So
5: I mean, it's 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 so easy to renew your CFI right now. It's just you'd be a total idiot not to.
1: <laughs> really, you would to to let such an a huge milestone in your life expire and be worthless is just foolish.
5: But anybody <laughs> have to take that check right again? Like, oh my god! Oh,
1: seriously, I know, right?
2: <laughs> That's for sure. Hey, Gretchen, going going back to when you got hired with the airlines, uh, just a couple of questions. Uh, we kind of jumped there from, oh, I only had, you know, what, well, you had 1,200 hours and you you were able to get hired. You had, you had mentioned something. I was wondering if you could clarify. You, you said you had some multi-engine time. How, how much multi did you have when you got hired? Do you remember? Um, that
5: was the question. It cut out for a second. Um, I
2: think- uh, yeah, did just you- how much multi did you have?
5: I think I had about 250 hours.
2: Oh, wow. Now, that's pretty good, getting hired with, uh, with a yeah. regional. Now, how did you gain all that time?
5: Um, well, I was one of the only MEIs at the flight, instruct, uh, the flight club where I instructed. So, I think, you know, people who were doing multi-engine training just, you know, they didn't really have very many options. So, it was me or maybe one or two other guys. Um, and also, uh, uh, my boyfriend at the time, he had um, a travel air. He bought a travel air because he, he was also a flight instructor. And we ended up just taking this travel air up. We we actually flew into Northampton Airport from Palo Alto. So we flew across the country and we up on you know trips. You know, kind of instructing each other and you know practicing you know our own flying. But but at that point, only having to pay for gas, which really helped.
2: Wow, that's pretty good. Uh, 250 is great. That's a lot of time. And hey, listen, going, going back to what we you and Victoria are talking about, about female pilots. My my sim partner, actually, when I first got hired with the airlines was a female. And I noticed there were certain challenges, like you mentioned, when they started the uh, diversity training. Uh, she seemed to get a little bit, I don't know, a little bit antsy and, and a little bit uncomfortable, I guess is the best way to say that. Well, let's put that aside for a second. And, and what would you what would you say to girls that are looking or excuse me any female that is looking to get into aviation and this could be any career but let's let's talk talk about aviation specifically any advice there i know i know it's a bit of a challenge having talked to people of all ages is there anything you could say just just in just to them and say hey listen is if this is what you want to do do it but but you're going to see these challenges is there anything advice you might be able to give them
5: um sure i mean i guess the advice i would give really to anybody first of all is that the reason to get into any field aviation music whatever is because you have a genuine love of it because there is plenty as we all know about aviation that is you know either inconvenient or you know frustrating or not always rewarding the way that that we'd like it to be but if the love is there then then all of that just kind of goes away or it doesn't matter that much in terms of anything that is gender specific, it's like, okay, I, I guess you can, you know, I, I maybe I will begrudgingly admit that, that there is the old boys club factor in it. But my attitude towards that and anything else is that skills are skills. You know, if you're awesome, it's irrefutable. So just be a great pilot, you know, know your material, know your material well. And, great point. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, pe- people can talk all day about how women can't fly. But if you go up and you kick ass, then what do they have to you
2: know, <laughs> that, that, that's a great point, Gretchen. I, I wish uh, I'm so glad you said that because it doesn't you know, I taught a lot of, of women to fly and I work with a lot of women. And it, it, to me, I don't really see a difference. You know, the, the pilots are pilots, no matter who they are. And if you're a good pilot, you're a good pilot. If you're not, you're not. It doesn't it's not gender specific. It's not racial. It's just, you know, a pilot is a pilot, a good pilot, a good pilot. And I, I'm glad you said that. Um, you know, you know, one thing and this, this is a bit of a sticky question. And um, something that's been kind of grinding at me, I, I like to promote people to fly, to go into aviation. And one thing that, that uh, you know, I hate to see people leave the aviation world, but I will say this. If, if it's, there's something else you want to do, you should go ahead and do it. But for those people that are thinking about flying and have another career in mind, like you, now, would you advise to them to go for it, to try the aviation career? And if it doesn't work, it's not the end of the world. You can keep going forward with, for instance, in your case, uh, in music.
5: Absolutely. I mean, I guess everybody lives their lives differently. And, and my attitude has always been, you know, at the end of your life, what do you want to have done? You know, do you want an interesting autobiography or do you want one that basically every chapter reads the same? And what's going to be more interesting is it going to be more interesting to take a risk and to try something that either fascinates you or that maybe is a passion or is it going to be more interesting to just do the same thing you've always done i'm a big proponent on you know what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life
4: wow wait i know that woman who wrote that what who wrote that line
5: It's uh mary oliver
4: maybe this is mary oliver very nice
5: Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> that's a Very great. Good. That's a great line, and I think I do. I, that's a line I think about, oddly enough.
5: It, isn't it wonderful? I love it. I think about it a lot, actually.
4: But yeah, no, Gretchen, do you
2: think, do you oh. think maybe in the future you might use the skill that you have and possibly make a little bit extra money? Like you said, don't let the CFI expire. Do you think you, you might want to go out and do that possibly in the near future or say in the long term?
5: Um, you know, the thing that I haven't done yet that, the, and it's the main reason I actually got into flying is I wanted to do aerobatics and I wanted to do stunt flying. Um, and that was one thing that by the time I got all of my, you know, CFI, double I, it was like, oh boy, I am so like, I just need to start having positive income. You know, when I, when I had both college and flight school now to pay off, I definitely felt like I had to postpone the one component that wasn't really necessarily going to help my career path. So it's always been in the background. I want to get my tail dragger rating and um, and do a lot of aerobatic training. So that that will happen. It's a question of when I get the the time and the money to to do that.
2: Well, that's really cool. I tell you, it it and this whole flying thing is such a varied path, and we all need to define. What flying is for us, and I, I think you've done that. You you've defined what flying is for you, but you're consistently redefining it and going forward. So I th- I think that's that's terrific. It's really commendable. I, I think I think everybody can look to you as a role model. I like that.
5: Oh well, that that that's very sweet. I mean, there's uh, flying's amazing, you know, and and it's and it is miraculous, and there is a certain rush, you know, the first time you take a plane off, and you know, and every time you do it, kind of, it's just. It's it's a thrill, a true thrill and and to combine that with um with all of the other skills that kind of go into flying a plane it's just got this wonderful balance. It's got this grace and this beauty and yet this intellectual component and this a uh, regimented component and it's it's a beautiful thing.
3: Amen. When um I first meet new pilots, I always like to ask what their favorite, you know, aviation moment has been in their life. Is there any one defining moment that you're like, Flying is awesome, this is amazing. Was there one airplane or um passenger that made you feel very special? Oh,
5: that's a great question. Um, I don't have something just right off the top of my head. I can say the first time I my first lesson where I got in the plane and rolled down the runway and got up in the air, it was just like, I, I mean, I was giddy, you know, I think I probably was giggling, you know, first time my, my instructor showed me how to do a zero G, you know, like push the nose over. That was pretty awesome. And, um, I always love night flying too. Um, training around the San Francisco Bay area. It's just, things are so hectic during the day. You know, you've got SFO, which is class B and then you've got Oakland and, uh, San Jose, you know, both Class C airspace. So you've got, and, and those are within a very tight radius, as as you, I'm sure, all know. So during the day, uh, flying around the Bay Area is just like it's really complex airspace, and it's just kind of a a drag. But um, if you go up at night, um, everything changes, and it becomes just so peaceful, and and it's just beautiful. Um, so I used to love to do Bay tours at night. Um, it was.
1: You know, those are really well. Gretchen, I've got um, I've got a question for you. It's kind of I think this might sort of transition us into a little bit more about the the, the music side of your life. But you know, Carl Carl had some good questions for you. Some he wanted to. He was you know, curious about what you would recommend for people trying to get into aviation. And and like he said, he's very passionate. He doesn't like to see people leave it. But I also feel personally sort of uh, a familiar and similar um, you know, feeling that you did about there's a lot of different opportunities in life. And for me, even though I've been an airline pilot for seven years, I'm not exactly sure that I'm going to do this till I retire. I don't think that I want to be an airline pilot for another 35 years. There's just other opportunities I'd like to pursue. So I'm kind of curious about. What sort of challenges you had, not only, um, you know, financially, but just sort of take us through how does a person make uh, a a transition from, because you were still like a first year FO or are you, I mean, how, how long were you at the airline again?
5: A year. I mean, I, after four months, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, like I'm not loving this. And then I started, you know, I was so young and I started thinking like, really, I'm going to do this until I'm 60. (laughs) Like like, I'm going to basically put, all of the years of my youth into doing something I'm not passionate, I'm passionate about flying, but I just didn't like that type of flying. Sure, sure. You know? and, and I was flying with captains who loved it. So I mean, that's just, it's a me thing. It isn't that the airlines are a, a crappy job or anything like that, it was just, I didn't have the same passion that, I didn't have the adequate passion right. to some of the sacrifices. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was there for, I got, after four months, I was kind of miserable. And I, I made myself stick it out for about a year, and then I just said, you know, I got to do what I got to do.
1: Yeah, okay. And I agree with you. I mean, I I love the job, and like I said, it's just there. I I find myself often wondering if I wanted to do something else in life, would would my career as a an, as an airline pilot? allow me on those days off to do the second career or would I eventually have to stop doing it? So, like I said a few minutes ago, I'm kind of, from a personal level, really curious what sort of challenges you had in the transition. Uh, you know, if even maybe, you know, financially, if it was a struggle and if you could just sort of share your your process of going out of aviation and into your your next passion, which is music. Because I understand that sometimes that also has uh, some downsides financially and some struggles, similar, almost parallel to aviation.
5: Oh, certainly, certainly. Well, okay. So for me, um, I-, I was just, I, I was in so much debt as it was that, um, guilt. So what I did is I, I left the airlines and I went back to flight instructing, and at that point it was actually a really good financial move because flight instructors, at least in the San Francisco Bay Area, were making a pretty decent hourly rate. And not just that, but um the actual hours that I was working, I was what I was getting paid for um you know, flying for an airline, you definitely pay your dues initially
0: mm-hmm.
5: um so I took a actually a pretty significant pay cut to go and fly the jet um so initially, when I left and went back to flight instructing, uh, a couple of things happened. one is I immediately started making more money and two, because of my airline experience, I could kind of command a little bit more so mm-hmm flight clubs will have different tiers of instructors and if you're an instructor who's who has airline experience and jet time and stuff like that it's just seen as a desirable commodity and so I was able to to kind of be in most clubs like kind of higher echelon or, or be able to to charge according to the level of experience I had um so initially I just did flight instructing and you know I was somehow able to make ends meet, you know. But that's the other thing too, is that you know, when you're, you know, a girl in your early, early twenties, it's like you've got no family to support. There's not, you know, it's mm-hmm. like you don't have a house or anything like that. So what I could get by on comfortably was probably a lot different from, you know, somebody who who's trying to support a family. Right. You know, I was living up in Tahoe actually at the time. I, I moved to to the Tahoe area and instructed out of the Truckee Airport.
1: Nice. I love Tahoe and Truckee. Oh,
5: it's been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love flying up there is just beautiful.
1: Did you do any soaring up in Truckee since you mentioned it?
5: I didn't. I didn't. You know, certainly saw plenty of it.
1: Yeah, I haven't been either. I might actually be going on a first glider flight in a couple of days with a stuck mic listener. As a matter of fact.
5: Oh, wonderful.
1: So, uh, but uh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead.
5: Oh no 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 not at all. Um, pretty much it. So. Uh, just that, that flight instructing, you know, if done right, I'm not sure what the current kind of state of things are, is and how many people are instructing. But, you know, I, I would do things like, you know, I think I, I had more than enough private students to to get by. And, um, and every now and then I would do something like teach a ground school, which, you know, I love talking about, you know, all aspects of aviation. Like I wasn't somebody who was just like, oh, let's go fly. Like, you know, I love talking about, you know, whatever, aerodynamics or weather or anything like that. So, um, sometimes i teach a ground school, which was, I did mostly for fun and experience, but, you know, it certainly made ends meet more too.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that something you think you could maybe do as part of the keep yourself involved in aviation going forward in your music career?
5: Oh, well, that's a good point. I hadn't actually thought of that. I, you know, uh, I definitely would need to, to brush up on, on, some of the sure, th- sure. <laughs> resources. Like the last few years, you know, so many things have, have, become online that, you know, it's it's actually incredible to think how much easier my training probably would have been if I had had all the resources available now. It's like, even just the last few years, how much stuff has changed.
2: You know, Gretchen, you said something there about having, when you went back to flight instructing, just to go back to that, you said something about being in debt. Was that because of the airlines and because of the ratings you got to get to the airlines? Or was that during the airlines?
5: Just no, what happened is so I went straight from college to flight school and okay. so you know, I got all of my student loans from college and then I took out student loans to go to flight school and so even though I tried to do everything really you know you know, carefully and I budget very carefully uh, you know at the end of all your ratings I mean if you're talking about you know one training in the San Francisco Bay Area which means that everything takes longer I mean you, you can't solo and you know what some schools will, will tell you, you know, whatever, like 12 hours or something like that. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe if you're like in the middle of the middle of the middle of nowhere and it's flat everywhere. And even if you just land on something, that's not a runway, you're going to still walk. I mean, it's like when you're training out of Oakland airport, like there's just no way. So everything gets extended a little bit. So, um, you know, it wasn't that I had really high flight hours or anything. It's just, uh, Everything's more expensive because it takes longer, and the Bay Area is just an expensive place. So, um, I was in debt going going into the airlines because of the the college as well as the flight school, and then to to combine that debt that I had going into it with a pay cut going to the airlines was definitely financially challenging.
2: You know that that may, that's a good point right there, and that's that was my main question. Is uh, a lot of people don't understand. Uh, probably our listeners, that when you go to the airlines from flight instructing, everybody thinks flight instructing is the, the bottom of the, the the tier here. But actually, you can make good money flight instructing. Sure. You took a, a big cut to go to the airlines. Uh, you don't have to give us a number, but do you know percentage-wise? Can you give people an idea how much that was?
5: Actual number was more than half of wow. what I would mean. Wow. But even to be less than that, because when you're – okay. You guys know how this goes. When you meet a, a, a student, so you, you say, okay, we're meeting at noon and then we're going to do some ground and then we're going to pre-flight together and I'm going to quiz you on the systems as we pre-flight and then we're going to get in the plane and then we're going to go flying and we're going to come back and it'll be 2 o'clock. At the end of your lesson, it's been two hours. You've given two hours of instruction mm-hmm. and at the end of you know end of the lesson, your student hands you a check for two hours because you've been their instructor for two hours imparting knowledge all that time the way airlines work is you get paid when the door shuts on the airplane. You don't get paid for the hour you show up before to pre-flight and do the paperwork. You don't get paid for layovers. You don't get paid for delays. And so um, what ends up happening is you'll come back from a four-day trip, maybe making like 15 hours of pay. You know, something that when you actually crunch the numbers, you're... And I could have made... in like a half a day of flight instruction. Wow. So, and, and that's not to, to say anything bad about the airlines. I mean, they do that because it's a career path and, you know, and it changes quickly after the first year or two and you pay your dues and you move up in the ranks and, and the quality of life changes. But, but I learned myself that, it, I mean, the, the decision wasn't a financial decision to leave the airlines at all. I mean, my gosh, like I definitely, you know, like you don't leave the airlines to play music because you're going to make better money in music.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, Gretchen. That, that that that's a good point to make. You know, as far as how much you'll make and and the fact that yeah, you don't you don't leave the airlines to because some people, if you stick with it, like you said, you pay your dues. You can make good money at the airlines, right? But uh, thanks for pointing that out, though.
5: Absolutely. Well, definitely. And and it's something that uh, if 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 you love work, but it is something that is kind of good for people to think about going into it is that, you know, just so that it doesn't become a financial decision is that when you go into the airlines, you're going to take a bit of a pay cut for the first couple of years
0: mm-hmm.
5: and you just prepare for that. And if you see that as part of the process and part of the training, then you can go into that fully aware as opposed to going like, uh Oh,
1: right. Yeah. That's an important point right there.
4: Well, you know, we, we sort of start to transition to music so we can kind of keep going in that direction. And, um, I, I did, you know, we, we did a little homework, you know, we're reading about other interviews you've given and some information. And I, th- I think it's interesting that coincidental to when we're recording this, um, there's a bunch of influences you have. But one of the things I, no- I note that has happened in the world is that Frank Zappa's music is now available on iTunes. And I know that to some degree your early time, uh, uh, you know, maybe this was at school, was was pushing the edges a bit of music following a number of leads. And I don't know if you, have a, if you could t- talk a little bit about that.
5: Um, you mean in terms of like my influences? Yeah.
4: Yeah. And early on the stuff you were into and what you were doing with, with music, like you studied with someone who studied with Segovia.
5: Right. Exactly. Um, so, um, yeah, the, uh, I I started on classical guitar, uh, because I ever thought that I wasn't going to play electric guitars just because I, I went to Smith college and it's a fantastic school. I love it. I loved my time there. Um, And and it's also got a small music department. And, you know, small is not euphemistic for shabby. It's a fantastic department. It's just they they don't offer, you know, courses in every single different type of music. You know, it's a lot more classically focused, which is fine. Um, And I remember when I first started studying there, I wanted to take guitar lessons and get credit for playing guitar. But there wasn't any sort of jazz guitar or electric guitar program at all. Because Smith of this whole five college system with Amherst and UMass and Hampshire and uh, Holyoke that you could easily take classes at any of the other schools. And there was this classical guitar teacher named Philip DeFremery who taught at all of the five colleges. He was the one guy for all five colleges. And, uh... And I remember somebody telling me. I remember hearing about him long before, and people saying, "Oh my gosh, he's just amazing!" Like, you know, he's got perfect technique. He studied with Segovia, and and all of his students have perfect technique. And I thought, sign me up for perfect technique. <laughs> um, and so I studied with him the whole time I was there, and just absolutely loved him. He's just a phenomenal, phenomenal teacher. It's it's a, actually quite a lesson in in how much great teachers can can really form your path. Um, you know, if, you know, the reverse is true also with, with, you know, teachers that are very discouraging to, to some people, but, um, but so inf- said, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry.
4: No, I wasn't sure if you, it's hard sometimes with Skype for me <laughs> to judge if you're done, but yeah, in terms of, you know, the other influences, you know, that, that you would say are mu- musical influences early on or, or, or since then that have kind of helped, you know, drive you in, in the direction of finding your own voice.
5: Well, okay, so I can tell you the first reason I decided to pick up the guitar is because I heard Eric Johnson play. And he, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he uh, he was opening at the time for Joe Satriani. And I had heard this amazing song on the radio, and and they didn't announce who it was. And it was this instrumental guitar thing that was just gorgeous and soaring and triumphant and just beautiful. And and I didn't know who it was. And then as it happened, um, I went to see Joe Satriani play because he was kind of like the big instrumental up and coming instrumental guitarist. I'm starting to get interested in guitar. Um so this was before I even started playing it. It was when I was in high school. Um and Eric Johnson was the opener and all of a sudden I'm hearing the song that I had heard on the radio. I'm like, oh my God, it's a song, it's a song and it's it's a, a tune called Cliffs of Dover, which any pretty much any guitar player, you know, it's uh it, it's definitely an iconic song. Um, and and so I knew I wanted to play electric guitar. And so Eric Johnson became an early, huge inspiration. And he's been enduring one as well. Um, the other thing you guys know and like is, do you guys know who Steve Morris is? Okay,
0: so oh, yeah. Steve Morris
5: so also a pilot, um, as it turns out. And I saw him play at Stanford um, when I was also in high school. And he was just amazing. And I went out and bought his album at the time, which was called High Tension Wires. But he also has albums called things like structural damage and coast to coast. And there's always AV on it. Um, you know, a lot of his music references, you know, uh, aviation related stuff. Um, so he's been an enduring inspiration as well. Uh, recently Jeff Beck has been an obsession. Um,
4: that's a healthy, that's a healthy obsession.
5: I agree. I, Sorry. I can, thank you. Um, uh, Jason Becker. I don't know if you guys know him, but he's uh, he's been sort of my one of my more recent obsessions. He's a phenomenal guitar player. Actually, um, the, uh, he was hired by David Lee Roth right after Steve Vai left in the eighties. He was going to be Roth's new guitar player, and then he got ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. He was given like three to five years to live and it's that was like 25 years ago he's he's still alive he's still writing music he can't play guitar anymore but um just an amazing virtuoso i mean the likes of which the guitar had never seen um, but combined with uh, an incredible sense of composition and counterpoint and melody and and he's still writing music um so he's been uh, a recent one a recent influence and then frank Django reinhardt you know I could go
4: on and on. Yeah. No, it's good. I mean, and I think what's interesting, so just I do want to make sure we play a little bit of something because I want people to get some exposure to, to your music and maybe we can talk about it a little bit. And um, you have, I mean, you've you've recorded a number of different things, but you have a solo album out that is your first one, right? That's what's out now?
5: That's correct. My first solo album.
4: Called Hail Souls. And, um, you know, uh, well, we can talk, let's talk about that, the whole album because um, a few of us have been listening to it and we had some observations to make but what i want to do is just roll a little you know roll a little bit of one of the songs that that and you know hear, hear your thoughts about it or have you talk about it a little bit so this one this one we just all rocked out to uh shared shared with each other and uh I, I think it's important it's it's a good song to play given our you know the energy around flying um but it isn't about flying so we'll talk about that it's called uh, valentino's victory lap so let's listen to that So, why don't you tell us a little bit about that song, and you know what, where that came from, or what that means cause, to you? Because I've heard some interviews you've given about it, um, and I think there is some sort of a there was a, a story to it.
5: Yeah, um, there there was a bit actually. Um, you know, I, I I wrote it, even though I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a MotoGP fan. Every now and then, a person doing whatever it is they do is particularly striking. And for me, there's there's an absolutely just just amazing combination of when somebody has a palpable joy, as well as just vicious skills, and um, and to see Valentino Rossi ride a motorcycle is like to see Eddie Van Halen play a guitar, and there's this incredible joy with which he rides, and he does these things that are impossible and hilarious and brilliant and. And yet, at, at the end of it all, whether he wins, which usually happens, or whether he doesn't, you can see that that he just has this tremendous love of what he does. And so it was, you know, in a direct way, a tribute to him, but also a tribute to, you know, the whole idea, the spirit of truly, truly loving what you do, whatever that may be.
4: Right. I would say the energy, something to point out that you've just, that's interesting and May, may go somewhere for you in the future, but your your interest in potentially future, you know, uh, uh, learning to do aerobatics and the energy of that music and what you just described, whenever I hear those songs, some of the songs in this record, I think of the kind of air show people who really, who really can push it and do a great job and it's got power and energy and, you know, so I, there's, there's a nice fit there. I don't know. I don't know if that means anything, but I thought I'd throw that out. That's
5: wonderful. I would love that.
4: Um, the other thing I, you know, and listening to the whole record, there's just a, it's a, Carl and I were talking about this. There's a wide range of, um, of styles, approaches. I mean, it all has a, it all has a common quality, you know, because it comes from you. But, you know, I was, I was just, you know, sampling songs and I went, um, you know, I thought of, this This will date me, but I thought of some people that I used to listen to when I was younger, a violinist named John-Luc Ponty. I don't know if that, oh. and,
5: okay.
4: yeah. yeah, and, and that, but then there's a song that pops in and I think of Leo Kotke, guitarist.
5: Oh, I love Leo Kotke. Actually, I saw him open for Chad Atkins. Um, oh, wow! What an amazing show! Yeah. and actually, I think I grew up living next door to his cousin Dan Kotke. <laughs>
4: wow, that's a, that's an odd kind.
5: Yeah, um,
4: but maybe you could speak to the, what you do to write, or how why you you know why your music ends up going in various directions. Uh, is there an approach you take, or certain because it's it's a range of of high energy, you know, heavy guitar. To to sort of almost classical, very very much classical music, classical guitar?
5: Um, yeah, um, that's a great question. You know, I don't it's my first album, and so I I guess I've never really settled into a particular compositional process. I don't know that I really want to. I think that I like what what happened. I, I definitely feel that like. Boy, I think, I think any time you talk to somebody about the actual creative process, people get at a loss for words because it's just a different part of your brain. You know, that which we use to form words is not what we use to form melodies necessarily. Um, so what ends up happening, I mean, come up with something and then you just keep playing with it. And some stuff happens really fast. Like there's a piece for solo violin called Walking Shadow. And I, I think I pretty much sat down and just wrote that in a couple hours. Whereas other things like Struck Sleepless, which was one of the maybe the first thing I wrote on that album, took a lot more time because I was just kind of getting used to the idea of getting notes on a page. I definitely noticed that the more I write, the quicker it gets. It's like anything else; uh, the the composition process just becomes something that becomes comfortable, and then it really becomes a question of what what's the content. You know, and interestingly enough, a lot of times uh, people. Uh, People get process, and yet there can be tremendous benefit in, in deliberately kind of keeping things slow. There's a certain intimacy you get with a piece of music or a piece of art by, by really kind of, I don't know, just by really owning every single note. On the other hand, there can be wonderful flow that happens when something just kind of comes out uh, almost entirely intact. So every piece was different. Like I said, Struck Sleepless took a while. Shadow is fast, uh, fading, almost like totally effortless. <laughs>
4: How long um, do you do? You, do you, I mean, maybe there's a range, but do you live with a song for a long time before it's a song that you would consider somewhat complete? Does it does it ruminate for a long time?
5: Um, that's another good question. Some did, some didn't. Um, fading, Walking Shadow, uh, Is It Not Strange? Those are all tracks that. Um, yeah, I don't mean to say that they were just kind of thrown together, but I think I there were things that I composed a little bit later or more recently, and a little bit more sure of them, quicker. Uh, so some things take a while to fully develop. Actually, um, oh the the opening track, um, Scrap Metal, around one of the first riffs I ever 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 wrote, um, like when I could barely even play guitar. And I just sort of had it as this little thing in my back pocket that I always thought, oh, maybe I'll do something with it. And one day it's like, okay, today's the day. So sometimes, I don't know, it, it, it sounds kind of silly, but sometimes the piece of music will, almost like it'll tell you what it wants. So I don't, I don't.
4: That's good. No, that's good. Car- Carl, I think you had a question.
2: Yeah. I yeah, uh, I had, one question, you know, going back, I don't want to show my age too much, but, as you know some of the co-hosts know here i I actually was involved with not just rock and roll in New Jersey, which is the one of the first uh, music television stations in New Jersey. It's actually still on after twenty seven years. One of our big influences, and I just realized one of yours. And one of the people I I used to love to go see in concert back in the back in the '80s is uh, Jimmy Page. Now uh, you actually had a cover band. Is that correct? You uh, you actually worked in a cover band that was all uh, uh, it was Led Zeppelin cover band. Is that correct?
5: Yes, that's that's indeed correct. It's called Zepparella, and we just played two shows last week, and we're off to Eugene, Oregon, to play the Eugene Celebration this weekend. So that's my that's sort of become my. Uh, my very beloved day job.
2: Oh wow, that's so cool! Because I, you know, and your your music, I have to say, just it, it really it resonates for me. I'd have to. Say I'm probably. Gonna become one of your biggest fans just because of the fact that you do go from the classical. You know, I used to play classical uh, violin and in a very young age, and saxophone, and I'm sure it resonates with everybody else who went on to the rock and roll and the and the Led Zeppelins, and and I just love listening to it. As a matter of fact, you know, I mentioned <laughs> I'm over here in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I I pulled up your video from from YouTube and I put it on the bar at Buffalo Wild Wings right here in Lincoln, Nebraska, and. Everybody was silent. They were just listening. And, <laughs> said, and afterwards, they all said to me, "Who was that? That that rocks!" And this is a bunch of young folks compared to me, obviously. That that also that was terrific. And I said, "You know, you, you got to listen to Gretchen Men. She's great." And I pointed her to your pointed all of them to your website. And and uh, it you do have a, a wide variety of music, and that's that's what I, I really like about listening to you. And I uh, and you just you resonate amongst all these different genres that 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 I really key on. And I think many other people do too. So, uh, you know, I really appreciate that. And I, I think, as a matter of fact, just before the show, uh, one I don't really buy much in iTunes, but I'd have to say I did. I went out to iTunes and I bought your, your latest album, and, and and it does rock.
5: Oh, God. Well, I can't tell you how much that means to me. I mean, I think anytime an independent artist does a solo album, there's definitely kind of this, like, all right, this is just what I did. Like, you don't have any expectations. It's just kind of like you just do it because, you know, you don't want to die having done it um and so the idea that it you know resonates with with anybody is just you know more than you ever dream of so thank you so much
2: you're welcome i think you're terrific i'll, I'll, I'll keep <laughs> listening Me too, i do too
4: sure. <laughs> hey len did you have something
1: actually i was just uh, sort of just a final question because she's made uh, you know for for rick and i who are both uh reside and spend a lot of time in new england you made a lot of new england references and i guess maybe i was just kind of curious are you from new england or you just happen to be out here during your younger years for college and flight training
5: i just i just happen to be out i'm from california originally i'm from palo alto um i I actually went to high school with like the girls from the donnas and stuff something something happened at pali high school i guess right around that time
1: (laughs) cool awesome
4: well, you know, we want to definitely want to thank you for being on uh, the show. And, and at this point, I think it's probably would be great to give people an idea of how to how to find you online, your music, and because you probably there's probably a couple of different websites uh, you might want to mention, or you know, other 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 ways to find you. Because I think you're pretty hip to social media too, from what I can see.
5: Oh, I I I, I, I flail, but I try. <laughs> <laughs> the easiest thing is just GretchenMen. that has. Absolutely, every link to anything I'm doing on it. So it's just. Uh, cool. And blast. I,
4: I know there's a website for Zeparella as well.
5: Yeah, you can get to that through my website too. I have a page okay. that has like my bands, like past and present, and everything.
4: Right, and she's got the standard. There's a Facebook page. There's a there's a Twitter uh, to follow. So you guys can track all that down through her website. Um, and, uh, and also I think just, um, we're, I'm going to, well, thank you again for being on, but I also want to mention that we're going to probably go out, um, at the end of the show, our credits, we, I think we're going to roll in a, another cut from, uh, the, the current CD that people CD there, there I am dating myself, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, called hail souls, um, available at all fine CD locations. Um. Uh, called "Oleo Strut" that I just just a great song and so we'll mm-hmm. probably roll that in uh, as we go out. And I just thank you so much for being yeah, here it's and great having you. Yeah, we're, we're we're big fans.
5: Oh well, thank you so much. It's been such a delight, and it's pretty rare to talk about two of the things I most love, you know, with a group of people. So thank you. My
3: yeah. pleasure. In your next video, you should uh, play guitar while flying an airplane. Then then I'll be impressed. <laughs> 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 Victoria has high standards I do, I do
1: (laughs) Len, I guess I'll
4: I'll throw it back
0: to you to to wrap this up
1: Awesome, yeah, again from from myself Rick, Carl, Victoria and Len thanks for coming on the show today, Gretchen
0: The After Landing Checklist
1: Victoria, tell folks uh, how they can get in touch with you and ask you all kinds of fun stuff online
3: um, every single contact information for me: work, blog, Twitter, Facebook. It's all on toryflies.blogspot.com.
1: Cool, and
2: uh, Carl. Yeah, easiest way to find me is at expertaviator.com. I'm on Twitter
1: and also on Facebook.
4: And Rick R Felty on Twitter, R D Felty on YouTube, and rotationspeed.com.
1: Cool. And as I mentioned in a previous episode, we're making a slate transition from the Pilot Report into Stuck Mike Avcast. But for the time being, during the transition, you can still find me there over at thepilotreport.com, also on Facebook and Twitter. So, from Len Costa, Carvaleri, Rick Felty, Victoria Newville, and our awesome guitar goddess, Gretchen Men, thank you all for tuning into episode number 32 of the Stuck Mike Avcast. And we wish you all clear skies and calm winds. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.
0: you been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast.